Welcome to the Big Picture with Parky podcast. This is a series of podcasts where we will discuss a wide variety of topics and provide a rather different perspective from our experiences serving UK customers at NetWest. My name is Duncan McCabe from our UK corporate FX sales team. This is Richard Turner from our financial institutions FX sales team. And we also have Neil Parker, our FX market strategist. We are also joined today by our special guest, Ben Nicklin, from our FX structuring team. So, big picture question to start off. Why would a corporate hedge currencies? Um, so, the, the, the obvious thing with regard to hedging is a corporate wants certainty over their costs or their, their income, depending on which way uh, the, the, the FX flow is, is going. Um, and also they might um, be looking to tie themselves into a, a, a long sort of deal, so a repetitive order flow. And so they, they, they want to present to whoever they're dealing with a consistent price. So that, that, that would be the, the, the first thing. Another thing, you know, they will say, well, we're not, FX experts, so we don't really want to deal with fluctuations in currencies. Um, they are looking to prevent volatility as as regard their balance sheet, so profit and loss. So they don't want to see big swings in their in their P and L account because of uh, of, of FX moves. Um, th- those are, those are sort of the main, and I would say quite quite boring reasons why you hedge but you hedge because ultimately you want certainty um and and uncertainty comes in different forms uh, for a corporate than 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 an an fi you know a financial institution would look at certainty perhaps differently to a um uh, to a corporate wouldn't you say so dicky indeed yes and i think it's probably just just to add to that with regards to corporate hedging of currencies i think it's something that we don't really think about day to day, yet it's it's prevalent and really central to a lot of our, our decision making. Um, let, let, let's think about holidays, for example, the cost of going on a holiday or filling up your car. All these uh, associated costs with, with the two things I just mentioned are because of, or, or at least the fluctuations in the cost of those things, are because of uh, fluctuations in the currency markets. Um, so from one day to the next, people do want that degree of certainty. Uh, when it comes to financial institutions, there is a slightly different approach. Um, yes, there is concern about currency fluctuations, but also uh, how interesting, or if you like, the investment prospect is in any economy. So right now, for example, people are looking at, uh, or pension funds are looking at how to invest our pension. Um, in whether that be in European equities or UK equities. And on the back of that, how expensive or not those relative equity valuations are. So FX is, is crucial at the level at which these institutions trade and very much depends on what's happening in the market at any one time. And that's why corporate hedging and their behaviours is so crucial. It's it's really interesting, isn't it? So there's that on that sort of that onward um, impact. So corporates protect protecting either revenues or their cost base, whereas and then the institutionals will look on the uh, on on the valuations from that. It's um, it, does that change at all uh, with certainty on um, the market volatility within the market and um, economic expectations? 
I mean, yeah, yes, because I think we look at, at hedging from a corporate perspective as they will they they will do it regardless. But actually, the timing of uh, of when a corporate is likely to hedge is very much determined not just by where the market is, but how fast things are moving so whether a currency is appreciating or depreciating in the background what the the economic conditions look like so the more uncertain the economic outlook the more likely somebody is to 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 hedge whereas if you think that things are going to be continually going well over the next 18 months two years that growth is going to continue to pick up your business is going to perform better you're going to get uh, larger uh, amounts of turnover the likelihood it is is that you might actually hold off from from hedging because you're more willing to take the risk that the market will improve in your favor um, so from, from the perspective of uh, of the decision uh, of whether to hedge or not and when to hedge there are several factors that determine uh, whether and when and I think they, they're, they're actually not mutually exclusive they work together so if you were at a favorable level and then you saw a very sharp drop away from that favorable level that might provoke a response um, and equally if you were to if you've been sort of waiting for a level to be achieved and then you got a very very sharp move up to that level then i think that both of those conditions could prompt a corporate to action that could be a very powerful call to action for a corporate uh, the way i see it is that there's sort of a demand side and a supply side to this uh, equation if you like uh, on on the demand side is um a, a, a corporate will Obviously, it'll be important to them uh, the foreign exchange exposure as a proportion of their overall turnover. That's an important thing. Another important thing on the demand side is the margin in the underlying business. Um, these, these two things will dictate the likelihood to be hedging or not. And as Parker, you were saying, on the supply side of things, what the market is doing will also come into play into the overall decision as whether whether to hedge and when to hedge. Um, now, a corporate that sees a favourable spot environment versus recent history, which is where, of course, their budget rates are typically set, will be more sanguine about things, and uh, they'll be more relaxed about not hedging. Um, for another business who has similarly been prompted by um, uh, at their their foreign exchange turnover as a proportion of overall turnover and margins, but who is facing an adverse spot environment will be much more inclined to do something and do something quickly and, and also, if possible, to get rates where they can beat the market and try to achieve a budget rate. Yeah, I was just going to jump in on that point, actually, because market volatility is central to a lot of people's investment decisions around foreign exchange, and particularly um, the the inclination to hedge. So, if if for example, I am a pension fund, and I, I've just bought a a foreign bond, let's say um, a European bond, even though it's negatively yielding, some people do buy them. Um, I want to earn that yield, and. I'm going to be concerned if foreign exchange moves to the extent that 
any yield that I am earning on my, my purchase, whether it be an equity or a bond, uh, starts to change and it starts to, to become adversely effective. And, and of course, the, the higher market volatility is, the higher the propensity of, of these types of, of people, i.e. investors, uh, are to start using not just FX optionality to hedge, but, but cash in forwards. And of course, Ben, you may be able to, to allude on, on this a bit, you know, talk about this a bit. Um, it's, it's this kind of activity that may provide avenues whereby corporates can access supply or alternatively supply certain measures of volatility to our client base. This is how we act as that intermediary. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, when the foreign exchange market is moving around a lot, um, then corporates are, are obviously very anxious about the situation because it's, it's um, affecting their overall position quite profoundly. And it's situations like these that it's a truism to say as well that when the exchange rates are moving a lot, the volatility is high. And at that time, businesses see a, they see a good reason to buy options because they see that the exchange rates are moving. Um, but unfortunately, to buy options at that time is expensive to do so because to complete the circle, the volatility is high. Uh, on the other side of the coin, when the exchange rates aren't moving very much, the volatility is very low and businesses don't see, uh, it's, not, it's no longer the, the hungriest little chick in the nest. Um, they've got other problems to deal with. So they don't worry about the foreign exchange. And that's a shame because with volatility very low, it might be the time to, to buy the optionality because we all want to buy things cheap and sell them expensive if possible. Oh, yeah, is that, is that, that's true. Do you think we tend to see that behaviour? 100%. Uh, in, in terms of, you've got to remember as well, like the psychology of this is that, that corporates remember when rates have been either advantageous or disadvantageous in recent history. And so there is the, the sort of case of chasing one's tail to a degree when, 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 when hedging, um, looking for rates to go back to the levels that they were were at, you know, months or even in some cases years before. And remember as well that that you know we're not. This is not something that is um, uh, set and then forgotten about for five years. Budget rates get reset regularly, semi-annually or annually, usually. Um, it might be even um, more frequently than that if you're in a a seasonal business. Um, budget rates matter on a, on a, a balance sheet basis, but actually a lot of businesses don't have flows that are uniform. They have them that are very lumpy at certain times. So budget rates become much more important at certain periods uh, of time. And, and uh, But corporates or, or rather corporate treasury um, functions tend to look at things in that uniform mat manner of, I want to achieve this rate, whereas they, they know themselves that they've got periods where it's much more important than, um, th th than in other times. And, and just, to, just to finish off on the point, you know, ultimately, we see this in terms of corporate behavior as, as far as buying, when, buying 
sort of options when they're expensive and and selling them when they're cheap uh, in terms of the sort of hedging behavior that takes place in the corporate environment. So it absolutely is the case that um, the, the psychology of this, the rationality of this to an extent, um, is, is, is more about how a corporate feels about levels and about the way in which markets are moving, which can be the reverse of, again, going back to, to, to the financial institutions community, how they would treat exactly the same sort of market movements. So that's a, re- a really interesting point, Neil. And uh, that, for me, it, it seems that fear and greed uh, is a, in a very, very simplistic way. I, I wouldn't suggest that any of our um, or the corporate community have have fear or are greedy, but the that 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 dynamic. What is this a huge driver of of markets, and and does this does this make a, a big factor into when a customer would enter into a um, a transaction, and is it different between currency pairs? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I would. Okay, so I was going to say, sorry, uh, ben, Neil, yeah. that um, all of us have have done at one time or another um, have done a hedge only to see the market move in a way such that if you hadn't traded that hedge, you would have been better off. Um, and that has that leads to a once bitten, twice shy sort of situation. And you spoke about fear, Duncan. That's what brings the fear in and the hesitation to hedge next time, and especially when there is some sort of macroeconomic event on the near horizon. Um, so there's a, there's a very difficult situation here when uh, the, the corporate entity, they have a known exposure which they need to hedge. Um, and at that point, the, the psychology is prompting them to pause, to wait. But if you have a known exposure and you're not hedging it immediately, there is some sort of speculation is creeping in. Um, and we would all deny that um, corporate, corporates are in the business to speculate in any way. But by timing your hedging, you are starting to creep into the area of speculation, as horrible as that word is. Um, now, having said that, there are remedies for this situation, of course. Um, there are various products that can accommodate this. From an institutional perspective, uh, I think a lot of people post-global financial crisis realised the value of having hedges in place. We, you know, you can't, uh, for, for a long time, people talked about uh, the markets, if you want to call them, uh, you know, referred to as a living being, if you like, as underpricing risk. We... we, we as humans, we, we tend to underprice tail risk events from happening. And we got to a point before COVID whereby optionality or the cost of it was very cheap again, to the extent that even clients that I speak to that didn't trade foreign exchange were starting to look at using foreign exchange as a suitable hedging product. Uh, and that might be illiquid assets, people that were... Uh, acquiring portfolios of mortgages over multiple decades, uh, as an example. Um, and we're starting to get to that point again, whereby if I look at the volatility index or the VIX uh, at present, it's at 21.5%. Uh, if I compare that to the euro against the dollar, uh, one volatility is below 6%. 
So we're starting to see now a shift in people's attitudes towards what products they're using to hedge. That they can be a bit more imaginative um, around what they're using and, and what uh, you know things are using directionality. Just coming back in on the on on the whole fear and greed thing, you know, I'll I'll, t- I'll take you back to the beginning of two thousand and six. Beginning of 2006, we were in the very low 170s in sterling dollar. Um, over the next 23 months, we rose, rose to a high of 211.61. I remember clients refusing to do deals at those sorts of levels because they'd been told it was going to 220, 225. Okay, over the next 13 months, so it took 23 months to go 30 cents. Over the next 13 months, which included the global financial crisis, we fell 75 cents. I can guarantee you, if we go and look at trading volumes on the way down, with the with the exception of when sort of in middle sort of 2008, we had a brief move back from uh, again sort of mid 170s up to mid 180s. That might have triggered some trading activity. I'd say a lot of the trading activity was fairly light. Corporate trading activity was relatively light on the way down, um, and the opportunity to hedge at levels that sort of just slightly below two and everything else was generally passed up because there was a greed factor involved in that this was going higher because a lot of uh, economists and strategists, not myself, I would, I would hesitate to uh, uh, um, uh, suggest, but, uh, but, but it wasn't us. It was talking about much higher levels. But there were a lot of people out there talking about much higher levels that prevented the, um, the sort of hedging activity taking place. And yet when we fell, I guarantee you this as well, we fell to a low of, of 135. When we went back to, to above 140, I bet that triggered a lot of hedging activity at that level. So you've lost 75 cents on the way down. You've gained five on the way up. Oh, I best jump in and hedge here because I fear that it's going to get worse again. Yeah, that that raises a, a good point as well, Neil, which is to say that um, especially in the corporate community, um, the what, what matters is not so much a figure here or a figure there. It's it's getting the solution right, the macro solution right, because uh, typically the corporate hedging horizon is is much longer than than that for financial institutions. And, and Dickie, you can tell us a little bit about that in a second. But if your hedge horizon is is not three months, but rather twelve months or eighteen months, then does it really matter if uh, the key metric on your hedge is half a figure or fifty pips different one way or the other? I would suggest no, because what really matters is that you get the right hedge in place that um, can look after your situation regardless of what the exchange rate does in the future and cater for any uncertainties in your um, the size of your exposure where they exist and, and look after budget rates and all these sorts of things. So because the time frame is longer, uh, it means that the the, the importance to get the solution, the type of solution right, rather than the timing, is is that's that's the difference with the corporates. And and I, I think things are the equations are a little bit different with the financial institutions. Dickie, is that right? Slightly, yes. And I think you're right in terms of um, investment time horizon. 
I, I would imagine that a, a corporate client typically has some or at least a partially known cash flows if you're an exporter of a certain type of product or importer of a certain type of food, let's say. Um, you, you know that day-to-day, month-to-month, that probably trends aren't going to change by a huge amount. Uh, if you're a finance, financial institution, you're very dependent on the macro environment. What do I mean by that? So how the investment backdrop changes, uh, whether that be political, uh, which we saw 2016-17 European elections, particularly France, um, whether that be what we've just been through, uh, Brexit and and the concerns around being able to continue doing certain types of business. So when a financial institution comes to look at hedging certain risks, yes, they typically tend to be shorter, um, but also, uh, and Neil, you, you can kind of uh, steer us home on this, you, you know, there's a lot of consideration about opportunity cost. We've talked a lot about volatility, um, you know, when it's high, it obviously costs to, to, to hedge. But when volatility is low, it's also a big consideration because this is specifically what people are trying to minimise. They're trying to minimise that uncertainty. So, uh, going into March, April, uh, COVID crisis, equity markets sold off. And thankfully, a lot of the pension funds out there and ones that we speak to had adequate hedges on in place such that the value of those portfolios in equities, bonds, whatever they may be, yes, they fell, but their hedges also performed. So as pension holders, we uh, we, we, we didn't fare too badly. So yeah, I, I'll hand over to you, Neil, if you want to just kind of I suppose it'd be interesting to hear what are the main considerations. What, what, what would you like people to take home uh, when, they, when they think about currency hedging? I think uh, you raised a good point there with regard to opportunity cost or opportunity lost. Um, so is it that a corporate should worry more about losing out if the rate moves in their favour? You know, So they've hedged and the rate then moves in their favour and they're not going to benefit from, the, from those gains. And again, that would argue for a degree of participation in, in any trade um, or not hedging and then the currency moves against them and as a consequence they've then got to book an actual loss you know and I, I would say on, on a, a, a corporate basis the things that clients worry about more is booking actual losses rather than opportunity losses so uh, provided that you're performing um within a certain percentage of where your budget rate is uh, and again this sort of goes back to the previous point we were making about you know big moves and um, um, where the currency is and everything but provided that that you're 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 still sort of within a a reasonable percentage of where your budget rate is i think the you know the majority of corporates would say they're prepared to wear opportunity lost. What they're not prepared to wear is is, is real loss being booked on, on the balance sheet. And on that basis, that degree of flexibility that we talk about ought to be utilised more by corporates than it tends to be. Because what going back to the initial points that, that we, were, we were sort of talking about, what they, they tend to look at first is, I want certainty over my costs, over my income, over the order flow, Um, rather than thinking about, well, hold on a minute, if I have that degree of 
flexibility in there. I'm not going to be materially different to where I would have booked anyway, but I do have that 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 flexibility in here. So it's about uh, to to a great extent, it's about um, looking at it from the from the eyes of a corporate, but also trying to get the the corporate to look at it from the eyes of an FX specialist, such as Duncan uh, and yourself and Ben, and say, are you really worried, as, as Ben, I, I think, very pertinently pointed out, are you really worried about 50 pips or even a cent um, if actually we can provide you with something that, that, that does all of the things that you want, but then you don't miss out on the opportunity lost as well? Thank you very much, Neil. Um, for any accountants out there that um, spotted that Neil mentioned uh, losses on the balance sheet, uh, it, it will obviously be through the, the PL statement. But um, anyway, <laughs> join us again. And thank you very much for listening. And um, we will cover another topic, hopefully of interest in the very near future. Looking thank forward to it. Thanks, Dickie. Thanks, Neil. And thank you, Ben. See Pleasure. Ya. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.